The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Main Street Vegan. I'm your host, Victoria Moran. So happy to have you with us. I love how the announcer says, let's get this party started, because honestly, sometimes I believe that in living as a vegan, my whole life is like a party. It's really very exciting and and happy, happy making. So I would love to introduce to you my co-host today, who is Diane Wentz. Just as you heard that I am a certified holistic health counselor and a vegan lifestyle coach, Diane Wentz is also a certified holistic health counselor and a vegan lifestyle coach. I feel like I'm here with my twin or my clone. Her website is veggiegirl.com, and you know that has two Gs. Everybody in the know knows that veggie, whether it's veggie burger or veggie girl, has two Gs. Diane is actually going to be our guest on February 13th. Valentine's time. But for the next few weeks, she's also going to be co-hosting, and I'm so happy to have her. Hey there, Diane. Hi, Victoria. Thank you for having me. It is wonderful. So happy to be here. I'm so glad that you're here because you're right here in my apartment in beautiful uptown Harlem, and we are connected to our wonderful host, Jeff Comfort, out there in Kansas City. And wherever you are around the country, give us a call. Tell us what you want to hear on Main Street Vegan Radio. Ask your questions, converse with us, and also with our guest, Jenny Messina, registered dietitian and sometimes controversial dietitian. I think she's going to have some really interesting things to say when she comes on after our first break. In the meantime, call us, 888-558-6489. You can do that now. You can do that after Jenny Messina joins us. We would love to hear from you because the whole point of doing this show is for you. So, Diane, yes. how's your life and work? It's going really well. Yeah? Yes. Diane is out there in New Jersey just gathering the vegans. How big is your vegan society now? I run a group called Montclair Vegans, and I think there's about 550 people in it. That's really extraordinary. Yes. That is a lot of people eating vegetables. It is. I really didn't expect it to get that big. I'm really pleased. Things are changing. Yes, Things are. are changing rapidly. But not everything is changing. And something, as you know today, is absolutely driving me bananas. Yes. I have been confronted with an environmental crisis of why does everything have to be 
artificially perfumed in such a way that twice in a 24-hour period, I have run into a situation of how do we say it on a spiritual radio station? I don't want to say war. Let's just say dis-ease on this issue. The first one is that the refuse room here in my green condominium, I live in a LEED-certified green condominium, when you open the door these days to go dump trash or recycle something, there is so much of this horrible chemical fumey smell that I'm just almost knocked over. And I'm not really that chemically sensitive. I don't mind it when people wear perfume, but this is just astonishing. And when I told the building super, he said, oh, but it can smell in there. And it's like, yeah, but even if it smells, number one, you need to tell people to wash their recyclables. That's not going to make anybody sick. And then today, Diane knows because she was with me. We picked up Forbes, my enchanting little rescue dog from Petco, where he was groomed. And he smelled like somebody had just given him a bath in the cheapest perfume ever. And they said, well, that's standard. We always spray them. You smelled him, didn't you? I smelled him. He smelled very perfumey. Very perfumey. And the poor little guy, when he came home... He tried to rub his face on the carpet. He was so cute. He was doing downward facing dog and trying to scrape this scent off of his poor little body. I think I'm going to have to give him another bath. And I know he hates that. I think so. It, it's what, what is it? Why does this world have these ideas that we're supposed to chemicalize our environment? We're supposed to chemicalize our food and then we look at the statistics of cancer and all these awful problems that people are running into, and we're just like, oh, gosh, let's put more perfume in in case somebody didn't rinse out a milk carton. Yes. It's, I think it's a bad situation. It, it is indeed. But we are making it better, and at least those of us who are trying to push forward some of these wonderful ideas about food and living in a little bit more sane manner. We're making some progress. And I see it as I travel around this weekend. I was in South Florida, which after the coldest winter in New York city in six years was just absolutely heavenly. I was in Coral Gables and um, Delray beach for the earth save group. If you guys are down there in South Florida, or if you're snowbirds, check out earthsavemiami.org wonderful organization. They bring in all kinds of speakers. And I just met so many people doing great things. I met um, people who have an organization called 600 Million Dogs, because that's how many stray dogs there are in the world. And uh, Alex Pacheco, who was a co-founder of PETA, and his um, business partner, or I guess it's not a business partner when it's a charity, his charity partner, Maria, have this group called 600 million dogs and the idea is to to pay a chemist to come up with and they've made quite a bit of progress already a drug that can be put in food for feral dog colonies and it will not affect the males it will not affect puppies that have yet to be born but it will sterilize the female dogs and if she is pregnant she'll give birth but her female puppies will be sterilized. So the idea is to solve the dog, at least, overpopulation problem from from the inside out, from the beginning. So that was very inspiring. There are just great people all over the world doing cool things. I think that's a great idea. That's a good use of chemicals. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Instead of perfuming, it's actually putting chemicals to good use. It's true. It's true. And I think we've got the same thing going on with drugs and and humans. My husband is out in Kansas City now. His mom is not doing very well. And when he picked her up from the hospital last night, they gave him a list of prescriptions to get filled, and we counted them. There were 15 one, five. Drugs. 
That's a lot of drugs. That's a lot of drugs. We had a, a wonderful pharmacist on a few weeks ago, um, Dustin. You can um, find his, his show. I think he was our first January show talking about from a pharmacist's point of view how we can get to the point where we don't have to use all these drugs. And one way is by eating fabulous whole plant-based nutritious foods, which Jenny Messina RD is going to be educating us about when she comes on after these messages. So thank you so much for staying with us through this break. We'll be back with more Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Everybody. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan, and I am Victoria Moran, here with my co-host today, Diane Wenz. You can find me at MainStreetVegan.net and on Twitter at Victoria underscore Moran. And Diane's website is? VeggieGirl.com. And you are on Twitter as? I'm on Twitter as Diane Wenz. It's D-I-A-N-N-E-W-E-N-Z. And while we're giving you websites and tweet things, our guest, Jenny Messina, M-P-H-R-D, her website is theveganrd.com, that is registered dietitian, and she's also the Vegan RD on both Facebook and Twitter, so you can check out Jenny. Jenny is a longtime vegan and registered dietitian with a master's degree in public health nutrition. She blogs at theveganrd.com and is co-author of Vegan for Life and the first vegetarian textbook for health professionals, The Dietitian's Guide to Vegetarian Diets, now in its third edition. She has twice co-authored the the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, Position on Vegetarian Diets. Prior to focusing her efforts on vegan nutrition, she was on the faculty of Central Michigan University, where she taught courses on general nutrition, lifestyle nutrition, and nutrition education to dietetic students. Welcome, Jenny Messina. Oh, it's great to be here. Well, it's wonderful, wonderful to have you. You have such a great reputation in this world as somebody who thinks for herself and does not let the status quo or even the alternative status quo alter what you believe and what you need to say. How do you feel about having that reputation? Well, most of the time I like having that reputation. I like being thought of as um, 
as someone who uh, thinks for herself and wants to wants to to talk about vegan nutrition from a scientific perspective, even when it doesn't really jive with um, kind of the status quo and what most people believe about vegan diets. And I do think that that's that's one of the reasons that people who do read my work like it because um, they feel like they're coming to a trustworthy source. Well, you are a trustworthy source and you have been for years and years and years. So give us a little history. So did you become interested in vegan diets first or were you a dietitian and then became interested in vegan diets? Catch us up. Well, you know, actually veganism was not even on my radar when I first became a dietitian. I've been a dietitian for more than 30 years and, and, um, People weren't really talking about vegan diets very much when I first started my dietetics program. My interest was in nutrition and specifically public health nutrition. I wasn't really thinking about how diet and food choices connected to animal issues, which uh, looking back on it is kind of surprising to me because I was keyed in to other animal issues like vivisection, but I just kind of wasn't making the connection between diet and animal use. And once I made that connection, and it, it was it was really very much one of those epiphanies where that little light bulb goes on over your head. Once I made that connection, I instantly became a vegetarian. I stopped eating meat. And then several years later, I went to work for PCRM, which is when I was really exposed to an animal rights culture and to all of the issues associated with veganism. Um, and that's when I went vegan. So I feel really lucky to have ended up in a career where my skills and knowledge can support the ethical and philosophical beliefs that kind of underline my dietary choices. Can you tell us a little bit about the focus of your work and why you decided to write Vegan for Life? Yeah, you know, the, um, my goal with my work, and, and this is something that I try to stay focused on with, with every project that I work on, is to help people feel confident that veganism is a good and safe and realistic choice for the long term. And I see my role as a nutrition expert who promotes vegan diets as, as, as being one to help new and prospective vegans and even long-term vegans who have, have questions and concerns about plant-based diets. I want to help those people overcome any concerns they have about the safety or challenges of being vegan. And, um, you know, one of the ways to, to do that is to acknowledge that nutrient deficiencies are a possibility if you don't know what you're doing in, in planning your diet. And that's, that's not just for vegans. That's true for omnivores as well, as, as we all know. Um, so I want to give people the, the knowledge and the tools to make sure that they don't run into any problems with, with their vegan diet. So we're talking with Ginny Messina, MPHRD, and if you have questions for Ginny, please give us a call, 888-558-6489. Now, Ginny, the focus of your book is on choosing a vegan diet for ethical reasons related to animals, but some people are vegans for their health. Are, are vegans generally healthier than other people? Yeah, I think that they are. You know, we might not be able to say with any certainty that a vegan diet is the only healthy way to eat, but I think it's pretty clear that most people who adopt a vegan diet are going to reap some health benefits as as a result of that because we know from the research that generally speaking, vegans have lower blood pressure than the average American. They have lower blood cholesterol than people who eat meat um, and even than people who, who are lacto-ovo-vegetarians who eat eggs and dairy foods. Um, you know, we see plenty of evidence that vegans are likely to have uh, lower body weights. It doesn't mean that a vegan diet automatically guarantees good health, of course, because it all depends on your, your individual food choices. And, and, you know, we know that people can eat junk food vegan diets and, and not have very healthy, well-balanced diets. But there are just so many, you know, when we look at, at what's in plant foods and we look at what's in animal foods, it's clear that there are so many advantages to making that switch from eating animal foods towards eating more and more and more plant foods. So I think that, you know, I've, I, I, I went vegan for the animals, I stay vegan for the animals, but I know that I'm reaping some really wonderful health benefits as, as a result of that decision. So why do you think some people find it so hard to do, you know, even people will say, oh, I admire you, but I could never do that. So do you have tips? Do, what, what do you tell people? Yeah, I know. I, I, I do hear that all the time. I could never do that. And I, and I also hear from people who, uh, you know, I think that most vegans um, are healthy and feel good, certainly um, 
I think that most of the people that we all run into are in, are in great shape and really enjoying their vegan diet. But I do hear from people who are struggling with staying vegan for one reason or another. And usually there's a, there's a fairly obvious reason why they're not doing well. I can just, you know, I can look at their diets. I can listen to them talk about their diet and see immediate big problems in their food choices or their beliefs about nutrition. And sometimes it's a really easy fix. It can just be a matter of, of taking appropriate supplements. Um, but there are also people that I hear from who have chosen extremely restrictive types of vegan diets. Um, they're not junk food vegans. They're, they're actually trying really, really hard to make good food choices to eat as well as possible. But in the process, they're following very rigid sets of rules, and they might believe, for example, that... Um, protein and fat are bad for them. So they might be limiting their intake of foods like legumes and soy foods and nuts and seeds, and they end up denying themselves foods that, that may make them feel better. You know, I think sometimes that, that people who are uh, vegans who are craving meat and cheese, they think that they're missing some nutrient in those foods. They might just be missing the richness of those foods, not the foods themselves. And so maybe they returned to, to eating animal foods when they would have been just fine if they had added a little bit of healthy fat to their vegan diet, chosen some more protein-rich foods. Um, and so I think that that's really important. Obviously, a lot of people run into problems because of time constraints. They don't know what to cook. They don't, you know, they don't know how to cook vegan. And um, to that end, I encourage the use of some convenience products if it helps someone stay vegan. So I think that in, in short, my recommendations to people usually are to take appropriate supplements, avoid overly restrictive diets, opt for convenience if you need to. And I really think that, that this little handful of recommendations would help almost anybody stick with a vegan diet. Jenny, you've written about the idea that we shouldn't view veganism as a weight loss diet. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I worry a lot. I've, I've, I have written on it, uh, about this quite a bit because I worry a lot about the image of veganism as a weight loss diet for a couple of reasons. You know, we certainly know that vegans are on average slimmer than, than the average American or the average Western meat eater. And many people do lose weight when they go vegan, but not everybody loses weight when they go vegan. So there's kind of a potential to set veganism up for failure when we promise people that they're going to lose weight by eating this way. When we focus on personal appearance or body size, veganism might work or it might not. When we focus on the animals, veganism always works. It always delivers on its promise. It always honors the rights of animals and removes our participation um, in their exploitation. The other thing is that um, I think this focus on weight sometimes ends up alienating people from veganism. And this is something that I hear from overweight vegans all the time, that they feel embarrassed about saying that they're vegan. And you know, that's so unfortunate. That's something that makes me really sad because we want everybody to feel welcome in our growing vegan community. Nobody should ever feel shy or inhibited about saying that they're vegan. Everybody should feel proud to say that they're vegan, whether they lost weight when they went vegan or not. So this is really interesting to me, Jenny, because I was overweight my whole life, obese part of that time. And I, I did lose the weight when I went vegan, but I also had done a whole lot of work on the inner part so that I didn't have to eat for a fix anymore. I mean, I was fat because I was a binge eater and I could have really binged mm -hmm. on anything. I mean, in those days, it was hard to do it as a vegan. <laughs> so it kind of kept right. me from being vegan. But why is it that if, if we're told that these whole plant foods are, are such a, a great way to be able to eat plenty and be full and be satisfied that so many people still struggle with their weight. Yeah, and I don't know the answer to that. And unfortunately, nobody knows the answer to that right now. Uh, you, you know, there, it's such a, weight control is such a complex problem, and there's research into so many different areas. Um, we know that there's a genetic component that people use, some people use calories differently, some people store calories much more easily. Um, I don't know what your experience has, has been, but certainly some people who lose large amounts of weight really struggle with keeping that weight off because their body fights back at them. Their body acts, as you know, you're, you know, the body acts like it's starving. And so, um, you know, there's very good research showing that people 
who lose uh, substantial amounts of weight need fewer calories than somebody else who weighs the same that they do but was never overweight. And, you know, that makes it hard. It means that certain people have to really be restrictive with what they're eating. There's interest in um, environmental obesogens in compounds in our environment that may make certain people put on weight. So there are lots of reasons, and I think that being vegan is going to give anybody an edge. That must be true because we look at the research and we see that vegans are, you know, have lower body weights. So I think that, that eating a vegan diet is always going to give you a little bit of a weight control edge. It's just not a magic bullet. And uh, so what I really try to, to encourage people to do is to deal with those kinds of issues that you're talking about that you dealt with, um, to learn to eat intuitively, to learn to eat in response to hunger signals rather than, than other less healthy signals. And to eat a healthy vegan diet, um, and then you're you know you're doing you're doing what you need to be doing. You're treating your body well. You're eating in a way that's um, respectful of animals, and um, eating in a way that's healthy. And hopefully the weight will come off. But if it doesn't, you're still making really good choices. Well, let's move from fat on the body to fat in the diet. <laughs> There's a big <laughs> movement in in the well, I guess they wouldn't even call it the vegan movement in the plant based eating movement, which to me is just eating vegan, but whatever, we'll leave the uh, semantic discussion aside. But a a lot of the physicians and the people who who write about eating in this way that are are very respected do not like oil. And some of them do Mm -hmm. not even like nuts and seeds, and some of them do. So what is a person who just went through the drive-thru at McDonald's and all of a sudden has the epiphany that they want to make a change, what do they do? In terms of eating fats and oils, you mean? Yes. Or in terms of eating higher fat foods? Yes. Fats and oils. Give us us the Jenny Messina take on fats and oils. Well, my my take, of course, is, is... what I understand from eating the research on um, higher fat foods. And I think that one of the things that we have to remember is that we vegans are different. We eat healthier foods than the general population. And even our, our, um, our choices of foods that are higher in fat are far healthier than the fat that other people are getting. They're getting fat from animals and from dairy and from eggs, saturated fat that's bad for you. Plant fat is very different. It's it's not just benign, it actually has health benefits. There's a mountain of research, for example, on health benefits of nuts, tree nuts in particular, in relation to body weight, heart disease, diabetes. Um, And there's even some research showing that Foods like olive oil, like extra virgin olive oil, which is an important component of healthy Mediterranean diets, that it may have some health advantages. It has some phytochemicals. It seems to reduce risk for breast cancer. It may have some roles in um, uh, helping people to lose weight, believe it or not. There's some research that, that indicates that. So I think that we have to remember, you know, the average American needs to reduce his or her intake of fat because they're getting most of their fat from animal foods or they're getting trans fats, you know, the processed fats and processed foods. And so their sources of fat are unhealthy. The kinds of fats that we eat, nuts and seeds, avocados, extra virgin olive oil, nut oils, are all associated with improved health when we look at the the use of these foods in different populations and when we look at the clinical studies. And so... um, I think that vegans should feel free to eat these foods, not, you know, not, um, not pouring olive oil all over your vegetables and not, you know, not guzzling it down and not snacking on nuts and seeds all day long. But we can include moderate or small amounts of these foods in our diets. And I think that for many people, it makes vegan diets more realistic. So that's kind of, that's, that's really my bottom line. I don't want to see vegans restricting diets and eliminating foods that are harmless, that are sometimes healthful in ways that might make it more difficult to be vegan. My own experience in trying to be completely oil-free at one point in my life was that I felt like a dried-up leaf. I have a better complexion now, 30 years later, (laughs) than then when when there was just no lubrication. So I'm very happy to say that. Yeah, it's funny, you know, because there's also this idea that um, that eating fat, fat makes your skin greasy or it makes your skin break out. 
and um, that's absolutely not true. You know, the things that make your skin break out are probably dairy foods. There's some research showing that, and uh, refined carbohydrate sugars and, and things like that. Um, fat has, has a good effect on your skin. Essential fatty acids are, are important for skin and certainly for aging skin like mine. And, um, and so, yeah, these, these foods, these foods are, you know, have some important health benefits. And they just really, you know, they, make, they sometimes make diets more, uh, for some people, more pleasant and, uh, and just a little bit easier to stick to plant-based eating. Jenny, I know you encourage vegans to take supplements for nutrients like vitamin D and B12. Does this mean that the vegan diet is lacking something? Yeah, you know, that's a big question. I get that question all the time. And, and people, I, I hear from a lot of vegans who are very reluctant to take vitamin D and vitamin B12 because they feel like, it, you know, people are going to question whether their diet is adequate or not. If it's not adequate, is, is this the way we're supposed to be eating? I think that the, the first thing to remember is, is that even though vitamin D often gets singled out as a vegan issue, it's, um, it's actually an issue for everybody, for people on all kinds of diets, because even though omnivores can technically get vitamin D from fish, you'd really have to eat so much of it that it's not realistic. It's certainly not sustainable to eat that much fish. So omnivores essentially get their vitamin D the same way that vegans do, from sun exposure or fortified foods or supplements. So vitamin D is not a vegan issue at all. It's the same for everybody, regardless of of the kind of diet they're eating. And vitamin B12 is not strictly a vegan issue either because all people, even people who are eating meat, who are eating meaty diets, very standard American diets, all people over the age of 50 should be taking vitamin B12 supplements. And this is because it becomes harder to absorb vitamin B12 from animal foods as we age. Changes in in the intestinal tract make it more difficult. And um, so, you know, this this is a standard recommendation. The you know the the scientists who established the RDAs for Americans say that everyone over the age of fifty should be taking B12. So I always say, if if being vegan is unnatural because we need vitamin B12 supplements, then it means that being over the age of fifty is also unnatural. Um, there's there's really no difference. And in fact, anybody who's eating a healthy diet and, and a healthy diet always is going to be a diet that's low in animal foods. Anybody who's eating a healthy diet probably needs to take a vitamin B12 supplement. So that's the long answer. I think that vegan diets are ideal. They it's um, you know the only compassionate way to eat, and it is really easy to um, fill in those little gaps like vitamin B12 to make a vegan diet as healthy as possible. How much of those supplements do you think people should take? Well, I recommend um, the, the RDA for vitamin D, which is 600 international units per day. Some people, some uh, scientists recommend more than that, and taking a little bit more is certainly not, not harmful if, if people choose to do that. And for vitamin B12, I recommend 25 micrograms per day of cyanocobalamin, that form of, of vitamin B12. Terrific. You make it all sound easy. And we already know. It's delicious. (laughs) We need to stop for a break here, but please stay with us after these messages for more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. John is looking for adventure. Mumbai is a must-see, and the night safari, that's one for the life list. Joe is seeking a little Eastern enlightenment. As the Buddha said, it is better to travel well than to arrive. Both find peace in daily meditation. Both Joe and John will find exactly what they're seeking on Spirit of the East, a 14-day voyage from Singapore to Mumbai. And so will you. Join us April 17th through May 1st, 2013. Spirit of the East, a perfect blend of relaxation and adventure. Explore more at unity.org slash spirit of the East.
celebrated Unity minister and author Eric Butterworth tells us, The exciting thing is that wherever you may be along the way of unfoldment and self-realization, no matter what the problems or challenges you may face, there is always more in you, the mystery of God in you, the Christ in you, which means your potential for healing, for overcoming, for prosperity. There is no limit. Join us each week for Discovering Eric Butterworth, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time with host Rev. Tom Thorpe, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. What a fun time we're having this afternoon talking with Ginny Messina, Masters of Public Health, Registered Dietitian. If you want to get in on this last 10 minutes, give a call at 888-558-6489. Jenny, for people who don't feel ready to go all the way vegan but want to start on this path, what are some of your best ideas for getting started? Well, I usually like to encourage people to start off with one great big change that makes a big difference in um, in the effect that your diet has on animals, and that's to eliminate chickens and eggs from their diet. So many people start out by eliminating beef, but... Since chickens are such small animals and since their treatment in the agricultural industry is so especially horrible, even more more horrible than, than usual treatment, as soon as people give up these foods, it's a change that has an immediate impact on animal welfare. It immediately reduces a tremendous amount of suffering for a, for a, a great number of animals. So that's a surprising recommendation to people that I, often, that I often make. If they want to start out in a really big and strong way, start out by giving up chicken and, and also eggs if, if you'd like to do that. And then beyond that, um, I suggest getting started with little easy changes. Um, Replace cow's milk with plant milk. You know, soy or almond milk are are good choices on cereal and in your baking. Purchase uh, vegan mayonnaise. um, Use oil and vinegar on salads instead of creamy dressings. You know, these all these little substitution kinds of, of changes are the types of dietary choices that don't really require any changes in your meal planning. They don't require any efforts to find new recipes. They immediately decrease your animal use in, in a very painless and easy kind of way. And, and I think that they can be especially important for people who are trying to um, bring their families along with them and, and help their families to, to make changes towards a, a more vegan way of eating. And, um, and of course, exploring some of the veggie meats and, and veggie cheeses. Uh, these can just be such an easy way and um, kind of non-threatening way to introduce more vegan plant-based meals to, to your diet and to your family's diet. What do you say to people who say, oh, but I have to have chicken or my cholesterol? Or yeah, People seem to worship chicken, it, not, <laughs> not the animals, the They do. They do worship chicken. It's, you know, I mean, for one thing, it has such a reputation as a health food. I think that for so many years, uh, you know, the big organizations, the the American government organizations that have, that, you know, made recommendations to help people to lower their blood cholesterol – didn't really expect anybody to replace meat in their diet with beans, which would be the best way to reduce your cholesterol. And so they've told people to replace red meat with chicken. And it's kind of, um, it's kind of encouraged people to think that chicken is actually good for you when we know that it's not. It's probably, you know, it's better than red meat, but it's still not a very healthy food. And um, it's, you know, it might lower your blood cholesterol a little bit, but it's sure not going to lower it to, the same, to the, the same degree that you'll see when you start eating things like beans and tofu and nuts and seeds instead of meat in your diet. I know one of the concerns of people considering a vegan diet is getting enough protein. And I get asked all the time where I get my protein. So how much protein should we be getting? Well, we don't need very much protein, certainly not as, as much as, as, uh, as the average American is eating. Um, a quick calculation, if you want to figure out how much protein you need in your diet, the, the easiest way to do it is to multiply your ideal body weight um, 
by 0.4, and that will tell you how many grams of protein you need. And then if you're, um, you know, if you're obsessive like me and you like uh, you like lots of numbers and lots of and you like to track nutrients, you can certainly track your your protein intake. But you don't need to do that by any means. I know some people like to, but uh, it's definitely not necessary. The general rule for meeting protein needs on a vegan diet is to just make sure that you're including at least three servings of legumes per day in your diet. And um, when I say that to people, sometimes their, their eyebrows go up, you know, they think, oh, you know, three servings of beans, I could never do that. But it's not three servings of beans because legumes includes it, it does, that's a food group that does include beans. It also includes all of the soy products like tofu and veggie meats and soy milk. And it also includes peanuts. So if you had um, a half a cup of scrambled tofu for breakfast and a peanut butter sandwich for lunch and then a half a cup of um, beans in maybe a bean burrito, it's a really small amount of beans if, for dinner, that would be it for the day. And you'd have no problem meeting your protein needs doing that. So it's pretty easy, but um, it's a question I get all the time too, and it sure is not easy convincing people that, um, that you can meet protein needs on a vegan diet without any effort whatsoever. Well, that's one that we've heard for years, and one that has come to the fore more recently is omega-3 fatty acids. And yes, you can get them in flax and walnuts, but maybe your body can't make the kind out of them that your body needs you should be taking algae pills. Oh, my gosh. What do we do? What do we do? Some of this stuff gets so complex. It does. It gets so complex. And the fatty acid issue is really complex. And it's another one of these issues like, um, you know, kind of like weight control that we just talked about where there are so many different opinions about it and so much conflicting research that it's very difficult to, to know exactly what to tell people. The kind of essential fatty acids that you get from flax seed and walnuts and hemp seed and chia seeds, that's the type of fatty acid that is absolutely essential in the body. So you do need to eat a small serving of those foods every day, and it's a really small amount, you know, like a tablespoon of ground flaxseed a day is, is plenty to meet your needs for these essential fats. So that's a given no matter what. Whether we need to take the other kind of fatty acids, the kind that are found in the algae pills and that are also found in fish oil, you know, the reason so many people take fish oil supplements, whether we really need those as vegans is something that we just don't know. Um, I do take those supplements because I'm one of those people who really likes to err on the side of, of caution. I, I want all vegans to be as healthy as possible because for one, I just want vegans to be healthy. For one thing, I feel an obligation to give them the best information possible and also because a healthy vegan population is a good advertisement for a compassionate way of eating and, and for convincing more people to eat a vegan diet and, and, and reduce suffering of animals. So to that end, I do encourage people to take small doses like 200 milligrams of um, these fats, DHA and EPA, maybe just two to three times per week from algae supplements. And I would also add that if you know somebody who's taking fish oil supplements, it would be great to encourage them to switch over to the algae supplements because it's the exact same product. It's, it's the exact same fat. Algae is where the fish get their essential fatty acids, and it's way more sustainable. It's just way better for the environment. Oh, yeah, and, and I would think much cleaner in terms of yeah, heavy metal contamination. It's, it's cleaner and kinder. <laughs> I like that. I like that, cleaner and kinder. Can you tell us what projects you're working on now? Yes, I have um, um, I have a book, a, a new book that's being published in, um, in July. It's on vegan nutrition and lifestyle for women. It's called uh, Vegan for Her, and uh, it's co-written with my, my friend J.L. Fields, who blogs at, uh, she has a popular blog, jlgoesvegan.com. She's done the recipes for the book and a section on vegan lifestyle, encouraging women to make fun uh, wardrobe choices that are vegan and personal care products. And uh, then the bulk of the book looks at... Um, problems and issues that are specific to women, things like menopause and fertility and pregnancy and 
um, eating to minimize uh, painful problems associated with your period and eating to minimize things like depression and some of the uh, things, the issues that are specific to heart disease in women and breast cancer, and it just covers all kinds of topics that I think will be of interest to vegan women. Well, it sounds fabulous, and you just solved the mystery of the day because we looked at the unity.fm website, and it was like, oh, my gosh, it says we're having Jenny Messina and J.L. Fields. And now I remember why, because <laughs> we talked with JL. Oh, I wish, I wish JL were present. here. <laughs> well, she could call She's in. Listening. JL, give us a call, 888-558-6489. And whether she does or not, we'll have you both on when the book comes out. When can we look for that? It's going to be out in July. It's being published by Tecapo. That's wonderful. Well, we will certainly wait with bated breath for, for that book. So, Of all the questions that people ask you, Jenny, and I know you get asked some of the same ones over again, give us a couple that were really interesting and unusual and that you're happy that you were asked. Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. Um, um, I don't know that I get, you know, I don't know if I get asked any unusual questions because the interesting thing to me is how much I hear um, the same questions from so many different people. And it, and it really tells me that some of these issues in the vegan community are of concern to a great number of people. Um, and it kind of goes in waves. It's very interesting that this particular week, this week and last week, maybe this has something to do with some things that are appearing on the Internet, I have heard from a great many people who want to know how to talk to someone who believes that a vegan diet is unhealthy. Um, and that's a problem that comes up over and over again. And I've, I usually I send them some links. I'm actually going to do something on my blog about that in the near future um, to kind of coordinate a bunch of articles that people can read and use to counter some of the claims against vegan diets because that seems to be, um, you know, a considerable problem in the vegan community that there are so many people who believe that we can't be healthy, which is kind of crazy because look at all of us vegans who are healthy. Um, we seem to be living proof of, of the fact that, uh, that a vegan diet is perfectly safe and, and uh, that it can support really good health. So that's, argument, that's a big, yeah. The, the one that I'm hearing a lot lately is soy. And I understand just because you're vegan doesn't mean you have to eat soy. There's plenty of food out there that isn't soy. But for people who want to have the convenience and the variety that soy foods provide, what do you say to those people who have it in their heads that there's something dangerous or bad about that? Yeah, I know. Um, and and that is, that's right. That is a question that comes up a lot as, as well. I think that we can look at two things. I think, first of all, we, you know, we look at the research, the clinical research on soy foods and, um, and different chronic diseases and, and different problems. And we see that in um, almost all cases, soy is shown to, uh, to be safe. It may not have a, um, a positive effect. For example, for a long time, we thought that women who eat soy foods have a lower risk for breast cancer. And now we're seeing that um, that's probably not true. They don't have a higher risk for breast cancer. It seems to have no effect on breast cancer, except in two different areas. One is that young girls who eat soy foods probably have a lifelong lower risk of breast cancer as long as they start in childhood. And women who have had breast cancer who eat soy foods probably have a, a, lower, a, a better prognosis. So we look at that kind of research and we see that soy in most cases is either benign or beneficial. And then the other thing that we look at are all of the people throughout the world who eat soy foods on a regular basis. And... Um, Japan, for example, uh, people eat on average one to one and a half servings of soy foods per day. And we know that that's not causing any health problems for them. They're, you know, generally in good health compared to uh, uh, Westerners in, in many cases. So I usually point people towards those kinds of findings and those kinds of observations to, to help them to feel a little bit confident about eating soy foods if they want to. But I also want them to know that absolutely, as you said, you don't have to. If you prefer to eat a vegan diet that doesn't include soy foods, that's fine. And, um, you know, it's, that's, that's a personal preference. 
I was wondering with all the, the soy meats on the market now and all the different vegan cheeses that are available, do you think that we're kind of developing a culture of um, junk food vegans? Well, um, I, yeah, I, I think I don't know if we are developing that culture. I think that that there are are more opportunities for um, for vegans to eat junk foods and um, eat foods that are that are more processed and not as good for them as um, as whole plant foods are. But I, I do find, and certainly that's a problem for some people. And I'm not saying that I never eat any any junk, any vegan junk foods. But I think for the most part, you know, my husband and I were talking the other day. We went to we went to Costco and to do some shopping, you know, the warehouse store. And they're always giving out all kinds of free samples as, as you go through the store, especially on a Saturday. And it's all junk, and we couldn't eat any of it because none of it was vegan. So I think that um, that vegans definitely are automatically going to be eating a little bit of a better diet. But, yeah, we do have to pay some attention toward choosing mostly whole plant foods and keep the other foods kind of as not everyday foods and not regular foods, but treats and and, uh, foods just to consume in moderation. Now, Jenny, you are a registered dietitian. I think you are an outstanding registered dietitian, and we have a lot of them uh, in in our movement. I mean, I think of, of George Eisman and um, uh, Brenda Davis. They're such wonderful, wonderful RDs. And yet, the association itself, long known as the American Dietetic Association, it's now the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, I went to one of their conferences several years ago, and I thought I'd walked into the wrong room because there were tables and banners from from Nestle's and, and Hershey's and Coca-Cola. And from what I understand, that has not only continued, it's actually become more and more corporate, what I would call junk food, certainly processed food companies working hand in glove with this organization that is supposed to be telling us what to eat. What do you do with that? Well, it's a very difficult situation. And, and you know, as I said, I've been a dietitian for, for more than 30 years. So this is um, certainly something that I've seen for a long time from my earliest days as a dietitian that the Academy does have a very close relationship with the food industry and depends on the food industry for um, for a fair amount of funding, and um, you know that's their their job. Of course, the job of the academy is to promote the field of dietetics. That's their number one purpose, and it takes money to do that. And they get a lot of that money from the food industry and the the. The, the trade-off for the food industry, of course, is that they end up looking good and they end up being kind of promoted by the academy. And I think, it, I think without a doubt that it affects the kinds of nutrition messages that the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics communicates to people and to the public. Um, I don't know that it has a tremendous effect on the kind of messages that individual dietitians bring to the public, but it probably does to, to some extent. So it's, it's a real problem. One of the things that's, um, uh, that's changed for me with, with, in my relationship with, with the Academy is that uh, 20 years ago, the Academy formed a, or a group of us that were associated with the Academy, formed a dietetic practice group that's devoted to vegetarian and vegan nutrition. And so that's a little group of dietitians who are interested in plant-based diets, um, who are part of the academy, but also part of this other organization that has some autonomy in putting together messages for people, messages about nutrition. And that's kind of been my home within the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And is probably the only reason that I stay associated with with that organization at all. I'd probably be, be long gone, not at least I'd still be an RD, but I wouldn't be a member of the organization if it weren't for the vegetarian group. But we see lots of criticism um, these days in social media and in other kinds of media of this relationship. And I really continue to have my fingers crossed that it's something that's going to change. 
Well, with wonderful people out there like you, I think that's going to change and so many other things that need to change. So thank you so much for being with us today. This is Virginia Messina, M-P-H-R-D. You can find her at theveganrd.com. That's her website. And you can also find her on Facebook and Twitter, The Vegan RD. Thank you so, so much, Jenny. We'll look forward to having you and JL back when the new book comes out this summer. Thanks to Diane Wentz, veggiegirl.com. She's a fabulous blogger. She's also brilliant. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank and you, we look Victoria. forward to having you as a guest coming up soon. Also, there are two spaces left for the February 19 to 24, 2013 Main Street Vegan Academy program. If you are interested in training and being certified as a vegan lifestyle coach and educator, doing wonderful things out there in the world, go to MainStreetVegan.net slash academy, apply, be in touch, and who knows? Your whole life could change. Thanks so much for being with us today. I'm Victoria Moran, your host on Main Street Vegan, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. God bless. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the Inspiration only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm. There is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child. Trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready to take a quantum leap into greater self-acceptance and love? and freedom from suffering by connecting all your parts, especially those you deem broken? If so, join Mark Anthony Lord, founder and spiritual director of the Bodhi Spiritual Center in Chicago, every Monday at 1 p.m. Central, as he helps you understand there's nothing wrong with you. You are perfect just the way you are. This show is for you, so you can know you're not alone. 
and that you really matter and that miracles are right here within you and all around you. From this knowing, anything and everything becomes possible. Each week, Mark will be joined by amazing guests who share their journeys of awakening. Listen live on Mondays at 1 p.m. Central or download the podcast at your convenience or subscribe via iTunes to Nothing Broken Here with Mark Anthony Lord only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.